This is an emergency alert. Small molten debris expected to fall in upstate New York. Isn't that where we are? Ottawa, Canada. Yeah. Seek shelter immediately. Do not stand in the open. Wait a minute, I forgot my introduction. We are now recording, and this is Out Now with Aaron and Abe. I am Aaron and Abe is unfortunately not here. He's uh, he's he's in the midst of traveling before he settles down and we can have regular episodes again. But Out Now is a film podcast where Abe and I normally discuss new movies weekly. However, every now and then I have to have these special bonus episodes, whether it's one of our fun commentary tracks or something completely different. And this is a little different. We have a, a double bonus episode in store this week where we're going to go over a couple disaster movies, essentially, that have come out recently. One more disaster than the other. No, there's more. We'll get to it. We're going to talk. So the idea is we're going to talk about Greenland starring Gerard Butler. And The Midnight Sky, the latest film from director-slash-star George Clooney. And joining me to discuss both of these films, we have Fomino Noir Artur. He's boarded the helicopter. It's Terrence Johnson. <laughs> Hello. Yeah, these are going to be interesting movies to talk about. <laughs> well, Terrence, how, how are you doing this evening? Um, I'm doing all right. Um, are you ready to launch into the holidays? Yes, I've been watching a lot of Christmas movies. I used to drag my co-workers for watching hallmark like they they made it a point to watch like hallmark and lifetime movies like printed out the calendars and all of that and i was like that's so dumb and do you want to know what i've been doing for the past three weeks watching christmas movies <laughs> both the good and the terrible i'm not as dedicated to it as them uh but it's been a nice sort of fun diversion and then in between the christmas i've been trying to catch up with stuff dropping in a little prestige, a little disaster movie here or there. Um, so it's been fun. So you're, you're watching these Christmas movies. Are there like, is this building up to like better Christmas or like ones that you enjoy? Uh, I've mixed in some of the ones that I enjoy. So like I've watched family stone, which is one of my favorites, but I've been trying to sort of, you know, Netflix has like 75 billion now. And so I'm like, I want to turn my brain off. Let me watch. A Country Christmas. <laughs> um, let me watch A Royal Holiday, which is... A Royal Holiday was like the Broadway Christmas movie. It had all of these Broadway actors in it. Mm-hmm. They got to sing a little bit. That's the one thing that's been... There's a Christmas movie with Jeremy Jordan. I don't know who that is. <laughs> who some people... I was getting to the introduction Okay, fine. Who, who some people... Did you ever see... Any episodes of Supergirl? Nope. <laughs> okay. He played Win Shot on that show. But okay. he is phenomenal singer in a movie, in a Christmas movie, and does not sing one time. Oh. I was like, what are we doing here? That's like What when, are we doing here? That's like when Eastwood put Clint East or put um Christopher Walken in Jersey Boys and didn't have him dance. That's how I feel about that. Yeah. <laughs> and then also this is it's been interesting because like the Christmas movies are starting to get more diverse. Um, so there's been like three, you know, sort of big gay Christmas movies. Um, Happiest season being one of them. Mm-hmm. And so it's been interesting to see how these notoriously straight white studios are trying to integrate in some diversity in their film. One that's really good is The Christmas Setup, which was Lifetime, I believe. 
Okay. Um, so yeah, I mean, you know, if you, and we're going to get to some, we're going to get to a good movie, uh, coming up here. Um, <laughs> but like, if you're looking for another good movie, Christmas setup is really good. Well, well, thank you for the Christmas update. Let me know when there's more Hanukkah movies that are out there as well. So the, the plan here is just to talk about Greenland in the midnight sky. Um, mm-hmm. two movies that deal with the world ending to some degree starring big movie stars and featuring varying forms of how to use a budget so let's just Oof. get to let's just get to it let's go let's start with greenland is this clark this uh, interstellar right comet right? I mean, yeah, big news i don't see clark oh maybe he's still sleeping dad <laughs> Some of Clark's larger fragments are now expected to enter our atmosphere. That's right. I know that you're just... What are they saying? More of the same. It's going to make a heck of a show. Whoa. Where are they going? I don't know. One of the first chunks is about to hit. Hit? Only part of it. It's going in the ocean. Would you look at that? Wait, what is the explosion? getting word that the fragment has hit central florida that should have been some of the trailer for greenland this movie stars gerard butler as john garrity a structural engineer living in atlanta georgia with a scottish brogue uh he and his estranged wife they're dealing with stuff they know there's apparently a comet nicknamed clark headed towards the planet the thought is that it's going to shatter up and like pieces will hit earth but it's not going to be causing any issues whoa, that's not the case. The pieces of the comet actually do start causing issues. And John gets a signal on his phone, you know, a message on his phone telling him that he and his family have been chosen to be to be rescued to safety. Problems arise from there that I'm sure we'll get into, but that's the basic setup of Greenland. This mm-hmm. was, It's from director Rick Roman Waugh, who previously directed uh, Butler in Angel Has Fallen, of his Has Fallen franchise. This movie takes a different direction since it's a disaster film, but also doesn't position uh, Gerard Butler necessarily as a kind of alpha male guy. It gives him something more to play off of. Terrence, what were your thoughts on Greenland? Um, I actually really enjoyed Greenland. When you when you hear the word Gerard Butler disaster film, um, your mind immediately goes to Geostorm, um, <laughs> which is one of the more iconic episodes of this podcast <laughs> um, was us discussing that. Um, and I was like, okay, I was still excited for it because, you know, I love disaster movies. And I, I, I enjoy a good disaster movie. It was just so like, wait, he's doing another one so soon? That was my reaction yeah. to seeing a trailer for Greenland. But, but I mean, this is sort of his, his mode right now. Um, I think, I think he, I think Gerard Butler is due for a reconnaissance. Not that they are equal in talent, but like in like Gerard Butler would go away for a few years and come out with something um, a little more challenging. Uh, but no, this movie, I thought this movie was pretty solid. The first 30 minutes of this thing mm-hmm. are some of the tensest 30 minutes in a disaster movie that you will ever watch. Like, legit really good writing 
strong filmmaking of just this coming disaster, like the dread that's building up um, in the movie. I do think it gets a little silly as it goes on, um, but the opening is so solid and tense that I like, I forgave it, it's more out there swings um, because I thought it set a really good foundation. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I do think it, it's very strong in that first chunk because it, it gives you a sense of stakes and there's a little of stress there that outweigh any kind of the thing with like a disaster movie is, you know, they come with melodrama, like that's packed in. Right. Like, so you, yes. it's like, hard, it, it's hard to comment on that in a way where it's like, well, this doesn't make any sense. It's like, no, that's the genre. Like you can't really fault it in that manner. But like, I do think that there is a approach to the storytelling here, especially for a disaster movie and one that has a certain level of budget that it allows it to explore some things. I mean, something that we, I know a friend of the show, Scott Mendelson constantly brings up is movies from like the nineties. And before that were, you know, spectacle films were different. Something like independence day is different because mm-hmm. yes, yes, you had money to work with, but at the same time you couldn't do like today where every scene can be, you know, a, a mix of spectacle and whatever else it has to rely on the characters because you can't, you just can't do that every single scene. This movie feel, it feels like a throwback in that way where the budget's not there to make disaster happen every single frame. So, yeah. so instead they have to rely on, well, what are these characters going to do then for the 90 minutes that were, you know, the two hours that were required to spend with them. And so there's a lot of work done there to make the story have more to do. It gives you some tense stuff at the beginning. It gives you some interesting stuff to work with in the middle. And even by the end, like it, it, while, while it's delivering on certain disaster threatening disaster threatening type stuff you still like you have that backing of oh well at least i know who these people are to the degree that i'm supposed to know them and so like yeah it 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 does work as far as that opening tent sequence because it's like it's giving you more of what are these people going through as opposed to what's it look like to see the world blow up because i've seen the world blow up we've seen that plenty of times so it's it it does a good job with that i i agree i do like this movie i was i was surprised how much i like this movie i'm not (laughs) saying it's a classic but i am saying i'm surprised that this gerard butler movie had me going a lot more than the normal (laughs) gerard butler movie yeah i saw it before you um maybe i like a couple of days and i was kind of like oh this is I think Aaron might like this. I, yeah, I just looked at the budget. $35 million. Yeah. They, every penny uh, is on the screen. But yeah, I think, I definitely think it's a throwback to like a 90s movie. Um, just, you know, if we're going to talk about the opening chunk, it's just, it's like, okay, here are these people. We don't need to know what has transpired in this relationship. We just know that it's not working. Right that they're trying to make it work for their son. And then it's like, he gets this phone call and you're like, what in the world is going on? And then this movie so brilliantly puts that character in a group Mm -hmm. of other people. And he gets a message again with all of them in the room. And it is like, that is so smart because it immediately increases the tension on like a character level and then just like on a stakes level. Cause you're like, what is going to happen? And now it's like, Oh my gosh, like none of these other families are getting this message. And then you have the thing with the car and just eat. I love how grounded that beginning part was. And even as the beginning starts to get foolish, like with the medicine, because their son is diabetic. Like I knew 
somehow, some way, that medicine was not going to make it, and that was going to increase the tension. What I did not know was that his condition should have prevented him from getting on the plane. And that is the type of stuff that I thought the movie did really smartly. It's like building this world without needing to be like, you know, have a newscast where everybody's like, nobody, if you're only, you only if you're healthy, can you get on this thing? You know, we, that is revealed through conversation. It's revealed through conflict. And so as, and then as this movie sort of sets off into like the survivalist tale, Mm -hmm. you know, you feel grounded with these characters because you were with them in the very, you know, these very small, very precise moments and you're learning along with them. Um, So I think, you know, if, if it's one thing, older movies do well it's that they are gonna you know like i just rewatched alien again for the you know 700 millionth time Uh and it's like they were gonna make sure that you knew everybody on that ship they were gonna make sure that you knew that you saw this planet they were gonna give you all the details before an alien busted out of somebody's chest (laughs) you know and so not that this is in the league of alien but it is in the league of thinking smartly about how do you introduce characters and how can you show them through conflict um, rather than telling us who they're supposed to be um, and setting us up for the story. Yeah. And with that, you have, (laughs) it's hard to say like Butler's doing his job. Like (laughs) you talk about him, like, you know, you can have a reconnaissance. It's like, I'd be curious, like, what it would be for him to, like, re-expand. But he likes doing this stuff. That's the thing. And no fault to yeah. him. Like, that's, he, he's into it. He, like, he likes it's having... But I, doesn't have to be paid. It's fine. Yeah. But, I mean, what I like is that here is that he's playing, like, a guy. Like, and and Butler, like, he's not Arnold. Like, he's not he's not a guy that's, like, built in a way where it feels odd when he's around and not doing certain kinds of things. Mm-hmm. He seems like a guy that's a regular guy. Uh, so, like, him playing in that you know, area and, you know, not being the guy that has the gun and is ready to go. Instead, he's just like, I'm a structural engineer who's Scottish in Georgia. Yes, <laughs> um, which I love. Uh, and I, you know, that helps too. Like I, I've said it a lot where like, I think Colin Farrell tends to be best when he gets to play himself or his natural, you know, his natural accent. Mm-hmm. I think that generally applies to a lot of actors of this nature, these kind of like supposed leading men. Um, as opposed to like quirky character guys, like they they can do whatever. But Gerard Butler was the guy where it's like, yeah, let him be Scottish, let him like do that more, <laughs> where he can just kind of and kind of rely on certain instincts that don't also require him to have his what I think is a terrible American accent. Um, so here, no, he gets to play like a guy, and he and, and at the same time you have Miranda Baccarin, who's also doing really good work as the wife. It gets thrown into even more intense situations at Ooh, times. Yes. Um, and so it, it works as like a good two hander for for like a good chunk of the middle of the movie here when they get they kind of get separated for a while, and it's show being able to find ways to like show the different forms of panic that take over with a what seems like I mean the ticking clock elements never it's like there as far as we know something bad is going to happen but it's not running it's not hitting us over the head with this like constant threat of like any second the world could blow up we just we just know you know things are things are stressed. And mm-hmm. again, the film, like you, you said, like it finds ways to continually make that interesting and entertaining and, sus- and suspenseful. Um, in addition to occasionally giving you like that actiony stuff, giving you whatever kind of drama it wants to throw your way, whether it's 
crazy people that try to abduct people and leave them on the side of the mm-hmm. road or <laughs> fights that break out in the back of trucks or any, yeah. any number of things like that which like there's a again that's where it taps into that melodramatic like oh, this is silly but at the same time so well, what else kind of what other kind of movie might be watching with this the yeah it uh-huh. i i think when like talking about gerard butler i think it's it's interesting you know he came to shot to superstardom on the on the you know oiled uh <laughs> chest of 300 um and so like in our minds we're ingrained to see him as like an actiony guy but like he does not keep that 300 body every day uh, so he's got like an everyman quality to him in a way that I think is interesting in this movie mm-hmm. because it's not like he's not trying to punch, you know, the military guys to get every, his family on the plane. Yeah. You know, he's just trying to get his family to the plane. And I think it's interesting to to hold, you know, to watch him doing some interesting character work and hold in your mind that he was also this big action star. Yeah. I mean the, and the flaws of these characters, cause he like the, I won't get into it, but like the marriage is estranged for a reason. And mm-hmm. you get it, you get a good sense of like these people, like wanting to be together, but having this difficulty between them, that's like made things, you know, as uh, increased the tension in the midst. In, and that's, you know, pretty standard for a disaster movie where, <laughs> the relationship becomes key even though the world is ending and so you have to deal with that the same like it gives you know it gives them stuff to chew on but then like they're doing fine scott glenn comes into this movie like halfway through and just just knocking it out like he has this great like <laughs> cranky yeah. old man energy that he's bringing to other roles but like at this but it's not like apprehensive it's just more like his attitude just really works and he knows how to sell a role like this where he's not involved in the special effects aspects of things so he can just be an actor and Scott Glenn is a very good actor. He, he really he helps raise the game on on Butler and the scenes that he has with him. And it's just it's just good stuff. I was very happy because I knew he was in this, but I'm like, where's uh, so I fig- I figured out who he was going to be based off what they're setting up. And when he finally mm-hmm. showed up, I'm like, oh, all right, like this feels comfortable. This feels great to see like Scott Glenn being around all of a sudden. Do you know what I just found fascinating about this movie? Huh. This was originally supposed to be a Neil Blomkamp, Chris Evans project. <laughs> yeah, I read, yeah, I read that. Um... Whoa. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> like, uh, this actually might have been good role for Chris Evans. Um, I, yeah, I mean, I've... I can see him doing, like, you know, a strange dad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, he's sort of at that point in his career where... Uh, you know, like Gerard Butler, I think it's it's interesting playing fathers. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. Gerard Butler is older than Chris Evans, but it's like at a certain point, you know, time <laughs> you can't you can't be the 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 single romancing dude in every movie. <laughs> Got to start playing some parents. I wonder what took them off. It doesn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> I like the Butler and Wa. Butler and Wa at some good. point were like, oh, <laughs> we, got a scre- we got this Greenland screenplay we can work on. Blomkamp <laughs> dropped out. So let's get it yeah. But I, yeah, I think, I think the one interesting thing to me about this film, like, and we were talking about sort of like the visuals of it. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't know if it's like visually stunning. No. In, in <laughs> a, in so. a, like in a way that other disaster movies are like you can, people can say what they want about Roland Emmerich. Right. 
but like the set pieces and he had a, a much more money but like the set pieces in 2012 you know just saying or even if we want to take it to something like annihilation right something a little lower mm-hmm. budget but dealing with disaster and weird things happening um you know you can get some visual stuff but i i will give him credit for just keeping the tension and getting these performances out of these actors i think i i was fine to trade off like dazzling like even the stuff with the planes in the beginning i was like oh what is this but i was like okay but to this character this would mean this and so in that way i think that he actually was able to direct his direction was pretty good even though it's not like visually impressive yeah that's the there's there's no real style here and it's it's not that like a film necessarily needs that but at the same time when you're dealing with the end of the world and a movie of this nature it's weird to watch this and feel like it's leaving no impact on me emotionally from a visual standpoint it's like i'm really it really like that's that's why i'm happy that butler and the rest like you know, did what they needed to do to get you to be on board of this film. Because throughout the, again, it's two hours, throughout watching this, I felt the te- I felt the stress and the tension based off the characters, but in terms of, like, seeing stuff blow up real good, it really meant nothing to me. Like, it, it, it's, mm-hmm. I, I kept, like, I, I kept wanting to be more engaged on that level. And there are moments where it gets pretty intense as far as that goes there are things that blow up real good in this there are yeah there are various explosions that take place there's a whole freeway incident that takes place there's more explosions that take place but i kept i like it never it was never catching me in a way where it's like oh that's surprising i was just like oh no they got they gotta get out of this one now and so it's like i I really got to rely on butler to sell that emotion of that scene as opposed to while making the you know the best out of the limited budget he has to choreograph mm-hmm. certain action sequences where you mentioned like em- Emmerich is he's, you know, he, he knows how to do this. Like even when the yeah. films aren't as great, he very much knows he and his, his filmmaking team, like they know what they're doing to make, you know, the ridiculousness of the day after tomorrow work because it feels big. Uh, 2012 is an amazing example. Cause I really like 2012 for one thing. <laughs> I think it's ridiculous, mm-hmm. but kind of amazing, but he has such a great cast in that movie that are working overtime to sell that. And he also, like, watching... When I, I remember reading the premise for 2012 and knowing I was Roland Emmerich, I'm like, it's going to be that date at the end, at the end of the year 20, 2012 that the minds are predicted, and Roland Emmerich's going to make it about the world. And it's like, well, of course he's going to do it. And then seeing the first trailer, where it's like, the fucking, what, Himalayas are getting swallowed by tidal waves. I'm like, okay, yeah. <laughs> like, this is this is exactly what I expected from Roland Emmerich. And it looks like, it looks fun. It looks, there's something there. There's also really wonky scenes in that movie too, because there's mm-hmm. whatever Sony effects house that he's used, he's the same one for White House Down, uh, the non Gerard Butler uh, White House movie from that year. The Tatum uh, one, yeah. And there's just there's there's something about like I, there's some like think about people in visual effects in his in those movies that just really stick out weird, which is whatever. <laughs> but still, but even then, even with those shortcomings. He seems to understand what, what like sense of scale means to this kind of film, where yeah. where Greenland's flaw I think is that it doesn't quite get, it just wants to show you these images and make you kind of get it and you're like yeah I mean it, it's there I guess <laughs> yeah yeah it definitely does that um, <laughs> what what are some of the ridic- what are some of the more ridiculous things you want to talk about with Greenland before we move on to the next movie I mean the plane the plane's blowing up is what 
I, that was like the clear demarcation of like the movie stop not being as smart as uh-huh. the first chunk. Cause it was like every plane got hit <laughs> and blew up. Um, <laughs> yeah. There's a whole, there's a, I mean the whole like Gerard Butler has a pass. that will get his family on the thing that like, as we're watching this, we're seeing like groups of people that don't have these passes, but are like, you know, trying yeah. to storm their way in. And that has a result that <laughs> leads to some of explosions. And it's just like chaos is breaking out. And yeah, there's a way to do that where I think it feels more tense. But the way this movie handles it, yes, it kind of goes like, okay, now we're in, we're, we're getting in silly mode here for a little bit as we have more and more people. Yeah. On screen. I mean, I think that, you know, it got, it gets very violent at one point. Uh-huh. Um, so that was a lot. Uh, but I think that was still in line with sort of the, the tone they were trying to set. I do, I think this movie is sort of calibrated well, you know, I don't know if it needed to be sillier or less silly at certain points. I think it did a good job of just being itself the whole way. Yeah, I, totally, it never... <clears throat> It, it never it never oversteps as far as what it's trying to do. Like every, everybody's treating things fairly seriously, but at the same time there is like there's entertainment value to be found in a movie like this. Yeah. Because I mean, cause that's the melodrama. Like that kind of stuff has that sort of effect. Uh, and it, it it plays with that well. It gets a, like when Hope Davis and David De- when Roy from the Office when they get involved. Um, the there's a different kind of tension there that's intriguing to watch like that mm-hmm. and and it also like there's some interesting subversions as far as where you think it's going to go like things involving the sun or yeah how characters meet back up again or whatnot like there's some there's some good choices as far as mixing it up when it comes to a movie like this so like it it's really like you know, the dialogue's not the best. Like that's what comes down to a lot for me when, sorry, as far as selling the story and like how to how to maximize everything out of it. Like you have to like structure-wise, I think it's really good plotting in terms of like how these characters are speaking to each other. That can be a different story sometimes, and then obviously like the lack of style holds it back for me as well. But I mean, none of this has stopped the movie from being like, you know, for a two-hour Gerard Butler disaster movie. I was ready to, you know, not be that enthralled in what was going on. Yeah. And I was there. I was with it. I was with the with the action taking place. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, let's see. Greenland is what in is it? A, no, it went, it went premium. It went, P, it went PVOD, right? PVOD. So, yeah. yeah it's, on, it's on premium, premium video on demand right now, and then it's eventually going to go on to onto like HBO Max and Prime and stuff eventually. So like, when should people see this? Should they, is it worth the? I assume twenty dollars to to rent this movie or what? Ooh, I sure why not? I mean, like, there's lots of stuff out, but like, I think it, I think it was it. I, I don't think you won't be entertained. Mm-hmm. So that's why I'm like, you know, I I might wait wait for it to come on HBO Max or Prime, but like, you know, if you want a fun something to watch right now, it's it's worth it. Yeah, I mean, it it there, there is a lot out. <laughs> that's the thing right there. There is yeah. a lot out, and so it's like. You really need to be into the mood of like, yeah, a good disaster movie is what I'm in for because I do think this mm-hmm. one it delivers as far as being a new version of this thing that you've seen before in a way that doesn't feel regretful. <laughs> like it's such it's such a weird yeah. phrase, but no, well, I I, I I, it, it does it does its job. You're, I think yes. if you're, I mean, I think a lot, 
I generally think a lot, I think people generally like Gerard Butler despite his choices. I feel like he's a person that people like to watch, and it's just unfortunate that his choices are not the best when it comes to some of these B-movies that he's in. It's it's because of the, you know, the red cape, uh, you know, and the muscles that he shot the superstar with. I'm, I'm serious. Like that, like for our generation, mm-hmm. that's like a an iconic movie. Sure. Not, yeah. not that it's good you know we're not speaking to the quality of i like 300 but i understand (laughs) i i I like 300 as well but like i'm you know in the grand scheme of things when you're like you know putting it up against like the best picture winners (laughs) you know putting up against other Zack snyder movies i feel like i'm in a good place with 300 it it might be it might be the best Zack snyder movie um or watch watchman is the best this would be number two but like you know there's affinity for him and he does have talent and sometimes you're just like, why are you doing these things? And then every so often he hits you with one of these and you're like, okay, you can do this. <laughs> like, it's not just that you want to pay your bills. It's that you pick a decent project. Yeah. So in that regard, I'm saying for the fa- for the people that are like, yeah, I like Gerard Butler. This is the, the one of the better versions of, oh yeah, he's doing one of these. Like, yes. <laughs> this, is, this is, you know, if you have to choose between this and Geostorm, I think Greenland is a good movie to choose. Oh yeah. Watch this instead. <laughs> Even though I recently rewatched Geostorm. Because you had two hours. <laughs> Oof. Oof. <laughs> like, this is a cho- this is a choice I made. I'm gonna rewatch Geostorm. <laughs> it was kind of, you know, every you know, every so often you have to recalibrate as a movie watcher. <laughs> yeah. You gotta clean that palette. Where you're like you're like, let me let me just make sure I was right about that being dreadful. Or like I need to watch something truly terrible. And it's like, oh yeah, okay, my taste is still good. Um, and that was Geostar. But Greenland is actually good. So if you're if you're in the mood for a disaster movie that's not about like a plague, <laughs> um, <laughs> I would recommend this one. All right. Well, with that in mind, let's move on to our next film, The Midnight Sky. That's either. It's a spaceship. Coming back from a planet that we hoped would be our future. I have to contact them before it's too late. Hey, Sanchez. Yep. How about a little inspiration? Enjoy, kids. Okay, that should have been some of the trailer for The Midnight Sky. Uh, director George Clooney has adapted a book, uh, Good Morning Midnight, uh, from Lily Books Dalton. Uh, it's set in a post-apocalyptic Earth where Clooney plays Dr. <laughs> Dr. Augustine Lofthouse, who's pretty much the last guy <laughs> on Earth, stationed in the North Pole um, at a research station by himself where he gets the acknowledgement that there is a spacecraft returning from a returning from a trip to a moon nearing near Jupiter um, in order to contact this spacecraft to alert them to the fact that the earth is no longer habitable he makes a plan to venture out to another research station so he can have clearer contact during this time he also encounters uh, a, a little girl uh, who apparently must have either been left behind or something else at the same time this story taking place, we do also see the spaceship that's returning to Earth. 
uh, featuring a number of stars, including Felicity Jones, David Yellowo, Kyle Chandler, and Demi Bashir. They are returning. We learn more about their characters as well uh, before they soon learn of the situation that they're also experiencing. There's a lot there because there's two different plots going on. But with that said, Terrence, where are you with the Midnight Sky? So before we get into the discussion, uh-huh. I just want to point out that Midnight Sky cost $100 million to make. Yes. I have to I triple the sum of Greenland. Yes, of Greenland. <laughs> um, and it is dreadful. <laughs> okay. Three times as bad as Greenland. Um, this movie was bad, man. It's it's 122 minutes, and you, when I watched it last night, you could not tell me that I hadn't been sitting down for five hours trying to watch this film. It's and the reason it's bad is that by splitting the story in these two places, it takes momentum out of both stories. So you've got the survivalist tale of the last man on earth. Um, trying to communicate with these people, slowly losing his mind and succumbing to his illness. And then you've got like a survivalist tale about people coming from Jupiter, you know, because they found a moon that potentially could house human life, not to get into all of the science about how that was so freaking ridiculous. But like it, it was like Castaway meets Gravity, but without the emotional weight of either because the two of them were being squished together. Um, I much, I would just prefer like either one or the other. I think if it was a story about this lonely guy trying to make this contact, or if it was a story about these people coming back from a planet that they think humans can inhabit, it would have been stronger. But like the stories take away from each other, especially when it got to the end um, which I feel like we, we're going to have to talk about spoilers with this movie um, in a bit. But like, yeah, it just, it was boring. Boring. I will posit that this movie's good. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, let's go. <laughs> I I don't disagree with certain things that you're saying because I do think a big problem with it is how it's choosing to edit together these two different storylines. Mm-hmm. I, I think the biggest issue is it doesn't seem to know how to properly make one storyline like tie into the other as far as like meanwhile this is going on like whether it's you know in sometimes in films it's flashbacks or other times it's just you know dealing with an ensemble cast this is a film that wants to tell you to these two different stories involving these characters and i feel what i feel like though is i feel like clooney is confident that every time it cuts back to one or the other scene that there's an exact reason for that i don't see what that reason's supposed to be in a lot of the cases and and the amount of time spent in these various places is it's it's off like sometimes there's extended periods of time where we spend with just Clooney or just the spaceship or sometimes it's real quick there's never like a sense of like do we it feels like it's 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 structured around the plot over like real character means for understanding things like there's a whole there's there's like there's two extended action sequences taking place in both storylines where we spend the entire time with those action sequences. And it's like, okay. <laughs> I, 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 there's, a, there's, there's a lot of effort there to make that, make those scenes look good, but we really spent a lot of runtime, like 
jazzing things up all of a sudden before you know just moving back on to the other thing like there but i want so i did say i like this movie though and i want to get to why before we delve into other specifics Mm -hmm. i i i've i feel like clooney as a director has not done a good job of cashing in on what his first two movies delivered because i really like confessions of a dangerous mind i think that movie is excellent and i i really like good night good luck i also think it's excellent since Mm -hmm. then he's made four other movies I don't think are very good at all. And especially Suburbicon, which was his, <laughs> his last movie, which is one of the worst movies of that year, let alone a movie that just made me angry. Do so, you remember how mad we were coming out of Suburbicon? <laughs> yeah, it was my dad too. Like it was, it was, it was really not, really not good. So by, I hate doing it as far as the low bar being set. I feel like this at least cleared that bar, but that's kind of where I'm at here because it's been a minute since I felt like Clooney as a filmmaker has really showed me something that's worthwhile. Now that with that, with that in mind, I think another issue with a movie like this is because it's coming out at a certain time. I feel like there's a lot being put on it as being this prestige piece where I'm coming at it thinking Uh this, I'm coming at it thinking I'm coming, Okay, but I'm I'm still coming at it thinking this is another Netflix December release. That's a big budget movie that people will watch around the holidays, much like Bird Box, much like Bright, much like uh, Six Underground movies that aren't aspiring to be these, you know, Oscar winning features, but they're still a hundred million dollar movies that Netflix is putting out there. This falls into that category, and from that from from that perspective, I think there's a good looking blockbuster budget movie here that i was generally intrigued by i understand that you feel it's long i i would say to me it didn't feel like i was I, I didn't feel like i was being dragged by it i felt like it had a deliberate pace that i i was clicking with i was i never felt like i was wa- looking at my watch watching this movie i understand that you disagree with that but like that's that 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 pers- that angle is where i was coming at it from i, I just, just want to rebuff something real real quick that you just said with regards to a prestige uh-huh. george George Clooney, Oscar winner. Yeah. Grant Heslov, <laughs> Oscar winner, right? Uh-huh. Uh, Felicity Jones, Oscar nominee. Damian Bashir, Oscar nominee. <laughs> Kyle Chandler, Emmy winner. Alexander Desplat, our friend, Oscar winner. He's got a lot of he's got a lot of the, talent here. I'm the not the editor denying this. of this movie won an Oscar. So this is a prestige title. I just recently <laughs> it. I don't know what it is about George Clooney directing lately. And by lately, I mean since Good Night and Good Luck. Mm-hmm. Um, it, he's just not good. <laughs> I just don't know any other way to say it. I think, but I think, I think there are some good, bright spots in this movie. Um, I think the stuff on the spaceship is interesting in in kind of like a what they have to like something happens and the ship gets knocked off course and now they're trying to course correct and what that means for the ship and what happens after that i think is interesting i like the makeup of the crew i like the idea of finding another planet for humanity to live on i think that you know with regards to the timing and the pacing of the action Ad Astra is a movie that popped into my mind. And Ad Astra, they give you a very clear, like, it is going to take you X amount of days to get to Neptune. Mm-hmm. Right? And that is something that's missing from here. 
so you don't really know where they are like because like before you know it these fools are about to be in the orbit of earth you know and you're like what you just came from jupiter like so now we're in like the 70 day range if i'm using the ad astra science and it doesn't convey a sense of time all that well i would know and it like to me it just felt like there were a lot of conveniences you know Clooney's character resting in that place only to have it you know um collapse into the frigid waters of the north pole have him somehow get out of that and not immediately die Freeze to death yeah that was um that, that concerned I was like me. <laughs> like it's like moments like that where i was like okay you are asking too much that you haven't set up you know I would agree. Like, that's the kind of stuff where at that point I'm thinking, well, okay, well, this movie isn't trying to aspire to be more. That's that's what I settled. But but that's what it is. though. That's what I settled into this thought of like, okay, this movie, it's I'm not here to see like an next best picture winner. I'm I'm here just to watch this. I'm just here to watch the spectacle. It could aspire to just be solid. And I think I think the way the movie comes together at the end was meant to have this like big emotional resonance but all i could see as it was building that way was like him trying to manipulate us through backstory like this really weird and i love ethan peck he was phenomenal as spock on star trek discovery i will always be looking forward to what he does next waiting on the day that he does a biopic of his grandfather um but like that whole backstory stuff was foolish, man. I would agree, just because for one thing, it was distracting. It, it felt it felt like Clooney had a choice. He could either use de aging technology like an Irishman, or he could have two action sequences, and he chose the action sequences because yeah, watching it's... watching him watching Ethan Peck as young Clooney with like de aged voice of Clooney on him was just like okay. Let alone, what's this really adding? <laughs> like this backstory stuff. Like I don't. Yeah, and it. it, it... I mean, it, it builds to something mm-hmm. at the end, but just like he had used up, I didn't, ha- I just couldn't, there was no emotional attachment I had. So when you finally get that reveal at the end, it didn't mean much to me, you know? Whereas if this was a story just told from his perspective the entire time and we got that reveal at the end, that would have felt like seismic you know that's fair you're 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 not you're, you're not letting me get into things why i like this movie very much like i i do for one thing i do think clooney's very good here i yeah. I, do, I do think the performance he's giving in his kind of isolated state with this big stupid beard i do i do think he <laughs> i do think he plays this like sad sad dog face really well throughout this movie um i it, he's not being very playful. He has moments because of the nature of the, the little girl that's around him where he gets to like lighten up a little bit. But for the most part, he's just like waking up, sipping coffee, staring into the nothingness of the world. Uh, there's a, there's a sense of sorrow, like especially in this year where he's plays in a movie where the world has died from some unknown disease or whatever. Because it's very yeah. vague on that on purpose, but yeah, this... I had a question about that. Uh huh. Did, so everybody, like those people that got on the helicopter didn't leave either. Is that what we're supposed to believe? I think we're... I don't know. I, I don't know if they got very far or not, but... 
yeah. Okay, I'll, I'll let you continue. We we need to put a pin in that, though. Okay. Because it's a plane they find, not a helicopter. So I thought there was like a different I was like, mode of transportation because, he because as across. I, as I thought about it, particularly how the movie ends, mm-hmm. and this, and here I go putting, this is my nerd hat, but like there are a certain amount of people, just like a volume of people that you need to survive a calamitous event in order to repopulate. Um, and like the number we are left with at the end of this movie, if the people getting on those planes didn't survive is impossible. (laughs) So that was, that was what I was like, Oh, okay. So I was confused. I mean, I ultimately, I don't think it's that important as far as, you know, where they go versus what happens. It's just like, yeah. All right. Well, it doesn't matter where they go, but I Uh was kind of just wondering, like, are they going to join up with like, a mission already in progress to be like the leaders of this new humanity. Fair. Okay. What I, that, that is something I kind of find interesting about this film. It's very bleak Like for all, for yeah, all the stuff you have, I like that. for all the stuff you have with Clooney, you know, the, the symbol of warmth in Hollywood leading men, let alone a very likable space crew of Felicity Jones and David Lowe and Demi, like all of them, like who are, which again is an issue I have with the, how it rubs up these stories because Clooney stuff is so desperate and the spaceship stuff is like a very optimistic crew for the most part until they learn the news of what's actually happening. Yeah. Uh, but again, I'll get this. So Clo- Clo- I think Clooney's very good at this. I do think it looks great. I think this is a very good looking movie. I, and there's, looks, yeah. There, there's some the money sti- is there. The money is the money's on screen. This is a movie I would have liked to have seen on a big theater screen because I think it would have benefited from that. But, Ooh. but the. The uh, there's there's some interesting stuff he does with like focus for instance as far as just like how he frames shot like there's some there's some there's some moves made from Clooney as a director and like what he's at what he you know what he wants out of his cinematographer or whatnot where I was like okay well he's given that this is probably his most ambitious film as far as the kind of money he's working with and everything like there the the effort seems there to me uh, which again is coming into contrast from his last couple of movies which are just bad. <laughs> so it's, um, so, suburb, suburb. so like a lot, a lot of this is writing on how much more I like this movie over his other movies, but I still mm-hmm. like that stuff. I do. I, I mean, I have issues with the lack of character stuff that's going on with the yellow and Jones or whatnot, specifically towards the end when certain choices are made and you're like, Oh, that's what they're doing where it's like, okay, but <laughs> I do think they're also quite good here. I do think they, they do the job. I wish they had more to do, and that comes from having two separate stories being thrown together as opposed to, you know, just telling one or the other. But I do think they, they, they do a lot with what what little they have to work with. Uh, and, the, like, the space stuff, like you mentioned it too, it's intriguing. I'm intrigued by the space, the stuff that's going on in space, like what they're pulling off, and even just, like, the look of their ship and stuff. That's always fun to see as far as how you yeah. try to make this stuff come together and this... It's supposed to be like it's what like thirty-ish years in the future. Like it's not too far ahead of time, so it's like has yeah. a, there's, there's a sense of realism as far as how these things would be designed. There's this and like just the the fact that it's called the midnight sky and you get these like really nice looks at the you know at the sky. Like uh, it's obvious, but at the same time, I was like, <laughs> I like that stuff. I was like, it put me in a certain mood where I was in. I was just like, I enjoyed the atmosphere I was within. And so like I'm, it's ultimately I'm like glad. I ultimately I had yes I had issues as far as as far as the dueling narratives and what it's trying to get out of me on an emotional level. But at the same time, I felt like the craft was there in a way that despite my misgivings, I was still with it 
for the film. I never felt like uh, until after the fact, I started like really thinking about it more while watching this. I was never sitting there thinking, eh, except for like that Arctic thing where he, where he falls in the water. I'm like, well, he like, that's cold. Like that doesn't make any sense to me. But... Yeah. It just like, I'm glad, I'm glad you enjoyed it. Uh, okay. Cause those are two hours and two minutes. I'll never get back. Um, yeah. I just, I just think that like, and it, it hit this movie hit on another thing that I'm just tired of in, in disaster movies and survival tales. Yeah. The stakes of the situation are enough to either spurn your hero into action or keep them from it. Like we don't need extra visions. We don't need extended backstories. We don't need none of that. Like a human being in the Arctic, at the, in the North Pole, for that matter, trying to get to another station is enough. These people being on the ship, dealing with the situation they are, is enough. When they try to bring in families and backstories and extra humanity to like really flesh them out, it starts turning me off because I'm like, this character either has they just need to find they have to have the will to live just in general whether they if they or they do or they don't and so i think that you know like the stuff on the ship with the one girl who has you know when all of them are like on the spacewalk and then you know asteroids or icicles you know in space hit the ship it's like Oh, so you just, you literally just built this character to just be like this emotional thing, you know, versus it just being like a person trying to survive. Um, yeah, it does. And that's tricky because I know what you're saying. That's tricky because. Well, you know, I can't the, get the, the, the full the, spoilers yet. There's one I know. I'm not, I'm not trying to get this one. No, but what I'm yeah. saying, what I was going to say is that's tricky because, you know, Tiffany Boone is the actress playing the character you're referring to. She's obviously the, you know, compared to the others, less recognizable. Right. And so, it, yeah, the, I didn't like, even realize that was her. The the economy of characters, you know, is telling you a couple of things there. It's like, well, these people, you know them. So either there there's a level of like gravitas or whatever you want to call it that comes with David Yolo and the others automatically where this one, you need to explain her more just by nature of, of what her function in the story is. And because the just like the audience factor, like it's going to stick out. You're going to stick up. You're like, Oh, we have these four people that I've seen in various movies and TV shows versus one character who I've seen less. So, so it's mm-hmm. like, so it, it, it puts a big like yellow marker on her by comparison. And so, yeah, it feels less organic when things arise because it's like, Oh, well, well, yeah. And it's like, <laughs> it, it's like sometimes filmmakers, like you don't need to add something getting stuck. Mm-hmm. You don't need to add, like the extra little thing, because like that moment would have been effective even if everybody had, you know, been perfectly, seemed perfectly fine. You know, like mm-hmm. it, it was a terrifying scenario, but like if everybody, you know, had got to shelter or whatever, and then this big thing happens, it still would have been effective. And so I, it just, I mean, and it's different. It's different than I think about, like, you know, we just talked about Greenland. It's like, like the thing with the, the medicine. Like, I knew the second that child reached into that fucking backpack, <laughs> that, 
the medicine was going to fall out. But the movie was like, you know this is going to happen, and so it's going to happen. Here, it tries to play coy, and then at the end be like, oh yeah, isn't that clever? Wasn't that shocking? And I'm like, no, it was annoying because you didn't trust the strength of your story um, or the strength of these characters to rise above needing to add extra things and embellishments. I felt the same way about Gravity when, you know, it was like, oh, her daughter is dead. And here comes George Clooney, you know, ghost George Clooney into the thing to give her the pep talk that she needs. Like, she couldn't find that in herself. <laughs> I mean, technically she did, just the film visually represented it that way. I think, yes, Gravity's, that, I think Gravity's a masterpiece, so that's where I'm going. Gravity is a good film. I'm not, Gravity's not bad. It's gra- this this movie wanted to be Gravity. Well, this movie's the greatest hits. It's The Martian, it's as Ad Astra, it's Gravity. It's, yeah, or even the Martian. Cause, and the thing about it is just, it just takes away from the power, because I do agree with you that I think George Clooney is very good, and I'm trying to think about, like, what was that Moon, that Duncan Jones movie? Yeah, moon, where it's moon. like, um, you know, I'm trying to think of other movies where it's like one person stuck in a place. Um, I am legend, of course. Yeah, and that, and once more people got into that, it was it a mess. It fell like, apart, yeah, because Wilson was very good in that, and then they're like, let's have other things and CG yeah, vampires. Yeah, like here, it's like, <laughs> there is compelling stuff on both sides. It's just the way that it's put together is not interesting. They just, they suck the power from the other one. Um, yeah, and for me, I mean, it's just ultimately, it's it's not it's not enough to ruin it for me because again, I did like in, I, there was enough with this again with the craft and with just and I I mean I generally like the people like even if it's overloading me on one character, I still like the relationship she forms with Demi and Bashir like because also I think Demi Bashir is I think he's very good at doing a lot with I like as far as actors that can do a lot with a little I think Demi Bashir has a great face for that he really knows how to yeah. convey a lot with next to nothing in a lot of movies so i i do think that that there's enough because what i mean yes in terms of something bad might happen okay but at the same time there's the work the shoddy work as it might be it's done enough where when things happen and you see characters responding to that i do i do like the reactions they're putting out there on screen like the oh, stuff's yeah. there. there's that there's there's emotions there and i can get harrowing yeah and brilliant like it's brilliant but like that is one of maybe two moments in this movie where i like sat up and was like oh i can't wait to see how this turns out even but i was still annoyed at how we got there um i thought that was a really smart scene and i do hope that you know future movies that want to do space stuff um with disasters will look at (laughs) that sequence um because that was terrifying uh but just the whole just it just never came together um and i guess i'm just not letting that stuff bother me as much that's what it comes down because it's not like you know i'm giving this an amazing review i think it's fine i think it, i as far oh, as this... a if i think as far as a 100 million dollar netflix movie goes that you can watch conveniently from your living room on christmas day or whenever i i don't think this is a waste of time i, th- I think there's good and stuff you here. mentioned bird box earlier but bird box is as foolish as it is it's all tension it's really it's good tension thrilling yeah. you know it is like this movie it's a better movie i would agree <laughs> you know and this is why i would come back to you know whether those people survived because maybe if it was a situation where he had to coordinate them running into this new human group 
or like the final group of humanity to take them to K2, that is some, that's an interesting way to end this movie, you know, or build in interesting stakes for now. It's just like, okay, so they finally get there and it's like, oh no, turn around. Okay. No, but see that, like, I, I hear you, but I do think that falls down a path that I've somewhat seen before. I haven't seen a movie before. That's so bleak that they're like, don't even fucking come here. <laughs> like this is terrible. Don't do that. Just. I mean, that was I, very. My my goal you know, is to get to my goal is to get to this station so I can tell you to get the hell out of here because it sucks here. Like that's that's something that that does feel unique to me in a way where I'm like, all right, I like that's dark and even I mean, all the Clooney in the world is not going to make me feel better about how terrible yeah. that is for society. I mean, I don't <laughs> mind. I like that and David Oyelowo. Um should not get on a spaceship ever again because he's had a tough time of it in Cloverfield Paradox. And which is something that you mentioned because like, you know, at the end of that movie where he's like, tell them not to come back, mm-hmm. you know, and then the monster pops out of the clouds. Um, yeah, I, I don't mind the bleakness. It just is kind of like, the, he wants you to have this like emotional moment in the bleakness with two characters based on a backstory that is weirdly shoved into the tale. And so it's like, I'm not, you know, depressed like I should be. I'm not crying like you probably want me to. I'm just here. Yeah. I mean, again, I get you. You can can like the movie. movie. (laughs) I'm not feeling bad about liking it. I I hear where you're coming from. Yeah, don't feel bad. I mean, mean, it's it's worse than Rebecca and you hate Rebecca. So (laughs) I I do question your judgment a little bit, but... (laughs) I, I mean, Rebecca's different. That movie's just like, well, why? Like, that was my whole question the whole time. I was like, why? Yeah, that why? was my question with this why, one. I was why like, are why? We doing... <laughs> well, I can see why with this. It's just not executed as well. Rebecca's like, this movie exists. <laughs> like, why? <laughs> why? <laughs> None of this matters. All of this is better than Bright. That's all I can. So, I mean, I'm not, I'm not well, too upset about this either. Listen, that's a low bar. <laughs> um, yeah. But it is interesting to look at this in, in terms of the Netflix you know, sci-fi industrial uh-huh. complex. Um, Cause yeah. if it's one thing Netflix is going to do, it's going to put out a bad sci-fi movie, you know, whether you, you like this one or not, just like, it's fascinating to see how this fits into the, the movies that they make. Cause what mute, you remember <laughs> that? the movie yeah. that Duncan Jones just had to make and it took him forever and it ended up being some raggedy mess. I mean, more than that, like, the thing that Netflix really cashes in on is sci-fi movies that involve one or two people stuck in an isolated location, and generally they can't go outside, and when they do, it's just desolate green, like, in brown land. So it's, yeah. so because they're very cheap to do that way, right? As long as you have a good production designer, you can make, you know, a small warehouse look like, a you know, the inside of a base or something, then if you go outside, just, you know, go to, like, <laughs> the desert in California or whatever. So this this feels like the maximalist version of that because it is Clooney like by himself for the most part mm-hmm. in intriguingly designed places. And when he goes outside, it's CG, so it doesn't matter. And, and if you're in the spaceship, yes, granted, there's the zero gravity stuff, but it's still pretty limited. So it's and, but the movie still costs a hundred million dollars, so they make that stuff look good. It just feels cool. like this is the bigger version of these various sci-fi movies Netflix has always been making, and some of them are okay. There's one there, what, where there's like a rope, what the, what is it called? It's like one with like, there's a robot, I think Hillary Swank's the voice of the robot, and 
Somebody else is there. <laughs> I forget all these things. You can't see the blank stare on my face because we're not on video. Because but... they all they all blend together yes, over time. But I remember, I know there's one there was one that was like, oh, that wasn't as bad as some of the other ones. There's one yeah, like there's Anthony, just... there's one like Anthony Mackie where it's like, oh, that was very good. <laughs> it's just the prestige version of, you know, by, what by comparison, yes, it's the prestige version of these other Netflix sci-fi movies. <laughs> yeah, I just think I just think. If it wasn't prestige, they wouldn't have sent me a four-year consideration screener. Fair enough. You know, but, they, I mean, want, the, they want something to come of it. But yeah, it just—they want the technicals though, because the like talk about the score. We haven't talked about our friend Displa's score. This yeah, movie. I think it's, it's great. It's, it's nice. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's a nice. very nice score. I, I wish they sent us that in the mail. <laughs> yeah, but like a download thing, because I'm getting tired of getting all these CDs. What am I going to do with the CD? I mean, my, I have a CD player. I mean, I have a laptop with a CD player, so I can still burn everything. <laughs> I do not. Please send me download links, Netflix, if you're listening to this podcast. <laughs> if you made it this far uh, after I trashed your movie. Um... <laughs> See, that's, that's the you guys have your MacBooks. You, you don't have CD players. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, the score is very nice. Um, I think the sound is actually quite good as yeah. well. Oh, um, it is. Like, especially what, you know, I, I granted, I, I was able to have a real netflix screener so i got to see it like in its full 4k capacity of all the sound yeah. and everything, but like it, it does sound great like it is a well again i would have i mean a big screen experience would have benefited this film as far as watching it goes because i do think it has all i mean it's a hundred million dollar movie it has that it has that going for it i mean and that's and that's where that fyc stuff's coming from the fact that it's technically well done i think so it wants those technical awards i think i think i would have felt the way i felt about watching the Irishman. If I saw this movie in a big theater, well, that's your problem, Jared, because the Irishman's great. <laughs> the Irishman. <laughs> I had to take a break, man. I had to walk outside, go to the bathroom, and come back, and I was like, I "Yeah, it's a long movie. I, I get should that. never have looked at the time because it was like two hours left." You knew there was. A, you knew there was a long I, movie, though. but like, but when you feel the length, that is where the issue comes down. You know, like I. You know, we talk about Endgame as a good example. That movie is long as hell. Mm-hmm. But by virtue of, you know, it being the 22nd movie in the Marvel Cinematic TV show series that are released this movie, you know, with the whole small axe conversation. Um, I think Endgame is a movie, so don't, your listeners, don't yell at me. Um, but, like, yeah, like, this movie... It just, yeah, I do think it would benefit from a big screen because I do think the visuals are nice. It just, you know, it, as as Queen Aretha Franklin once said about Taylor Swift, great gowns, beautiful gowns. Okay. <laughs> that's that's the shade comment that, that she had at some point? Yeah, they they were asking her about all of these artists. It was like, great gowns, beautiful gowns. <laughs> that's funny. Um, I mean, and I mean, it's Clooney, so yeah, you're gonna send FYC screen. I'm just like in my from my from my perspective, like they they can they they can pronounce it that way all they want to. The way I'm looking at it is like this is, I mean, it's just a B movie. Like it's not it's not aspiring for much more from from what I'm looking at. It it can be a B movie and be bad, you know. It can. I'm not saying it's impossible to. It could also be it could also be a bad movie and be up for awards. We have seen that time and time again. Um. I haven't got my hillbilly elegy screener yet, but I mean, well, <laughs> Jesus. Well, 
do I have this right below that? Oh no, Hillbilly Elegy is the worst. Is the elegy, whatever, is the worst. Is worst. So at least the Midnight Sky has that going for it. It's not as bad as Hillbilly Elegy. Okay then, I, I got you there. Put that on the uh, poster. Mm-hmm. Well, this movie. By the time this is released, the movie should be out. So with that in mind, it's on. It's going to be on Netflix. <laughs> know this answer already when should people see the midnights so it should be at the top of their queue should it be in the queue what, what's going on here i would it definitely is not going to be in my queue uh i wouldn't put it but like if you're bored over your vacation you're not going outside unless you have to because of the you know the panoramic that's raving outside um you can watch it is that is that good enough for you that's fine I I would put this in the queue. I would say queue it up when you want to watch something with, not necessarily your family, but like I feel like it, this works as like, honestly, like a dad movie kind of, as far as like something that you can just kind of put on has a good atmosphere to it. If you can't yeah. see news of if you can't see news of the world with Tom Hanks in theaters, because why would you go to theaters mm. right now? This is I think an, yeah, a, 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 this is a solid substitute I think as far as like. This kind of a movie star driven effects vehicle. I think there's there's enough there in that regard to be like, I mean, like I said, it's a hundred million dollar movie on Netflix that you can watch conveniently. I I, I think you can it, it does well in that regard. Well enough in that regard. It's a very good looking movie. Now with that in mind, we've talked about the movie, we've reviewed said movies. I know there's some spoiler stuff you want to get to. So before we wrap up, <laughs> for those yeah. that have seen the movie already that want to hear a little bit more on our thoughts on where things go from here, what are, what are some of the spoilery things you, you wanted to kind of get into? Um, I want to first address this phantom child. Uh-huh. Did you know right away? No. Um, I was kind of annoyed when the girl first showed up. I was like, did this little girl, when her mama was crying and calling for her, and they said that she got on this plane, and here she here she is in this damn station, bothering George Clooney when he's trying to die. Um, I this is this is you know this is my issue with gravity, as I mentioned. Like the Phantom, this like the need for these movies to like have a visual thing that a character has brought to life to keep them alive is. It just, it was overwrought in this movie, particularly once you find out that that little girl grew up to be Felicity Jones. Mm -hmm. uh, and the only reason why you know who, who that little girl is supposed to be is like five seconds of being on screen because the relationship between him and who, the baby mama, because I don't know if they were married or whatever that was, um, is so fraught he didn't get to see her even though in the story she's like oh i'm not pregnant and then i was and then all of a sudden here comes a child so it like bought it it became a part of this really weird backstory and then it was just like oh man did he did he really need a little girl to show up to drag across the arctic like to keep him alive like was was the quest not enough was the facing death not enough having the one having to do this one last thing, not enough that you needed to tie in something to where, you know, he ended, when he ended up talking to his real daughter, he got like this emotional catharsis and it was like, it just wasn't there for me. Like if she hadn't have been there, 
and there was some more effective way to communicate that backstory, I think that could have been a really phenomenal moment at the end. But because it was like, he just envisioned this girl who just happened to be his daughter, who you happen to know because you saw her through a car window for two seconds, it, it lessened the impact. I mean, I, I hear what you're saying. I, I think I do think there's ways to handle it better, especially because my, you know, the second she appeared, my mind started working just because, just like film brain, was like, yes, okay, so wait, is she real? Like, is that are we gonna get one of these? And sure enough, that's what happened. But I mean, it's also like it's not Solaris, like it's not heady enough to like really like find a more intriguing way to. Well, yeah, to, I don't. Oh, let, let me finish. There, there's okay. not, it's not, it's not heady enough to like get get you to do to do something different beyond a you know a figment of your imagination type of thing and get that good like i do again i wish i was handled better at the same time like i the audience for a movie like this again is like people just chilling on the couch watching netflix thing they, like they does that mean there's not respecting the audience no but i i i do think that there's there's an eyes that will that will dig that kind of approach to this to this aspect of the story let alone res, you know respect so respect seeing clooney like hanging around with a kid on screen and like just feeling like feeling less feeling less bothered by the bleakness of the film because there is some kind of physical representation that makes them feel just a little bit happier to want to stick with this Netflix movie that they're voluntarily watching. I like there's stuff there where even if it's sucks as far as by design you have to do this to make A equal B. I get why you have to take that approach sometimes for a movie like this. Like everybody can't be satisfied by the same thing. And that's fine in theory it just wasn't fine in execution and I, like, again yeah it, i agree it's not it, handled the that best. backstory is so dumb <laughs> because I, the flashbacks do not work very well i agree you know it's just like so like because i'm looking at the the plot summary on wikipedia right now right mm-hmm. and the first sentence or the second sentence, wait, where is this? Uh, one night at a gala, he meets Jean, and after a brief adventure, she leaves him due to his obsession with work and inability to form bonds with other human beings. But, like, they formed a bond plenty fine at that party. You know, it's it just, it's, it's like, it, the backstory doesn't work well, so when you get that moment where he's like, oh, man, I'm actually talking to my daughter, I'm just kind of like, I was checked out. Yes, that should have a bigger impact. I agree. Just like I was checked. The the scene of, of Tiffany Boone's character, when she was like, I'm stuck. I was like, well, she's going to die. You know, she's going to mm-hmm. die. I thought the way that they handled it after that was effective, but it, was just, it just felt like a contrivance added in there when it didn't need to be. Like all of that debris was flying around. She could have got to safety and still been hurt you know, bringing forth the fears, particularly of David Oyelowo's character, that he was letting his pregnant wife out there to go do that. Like, we Mm -hmm. never really wrestled with that aspect. And so, yeah, it's just, like, little things of, like, things that, particularly as this is how many, how many space disaster movies have we had, you know, where it's, like, somebody's, equipment doesn't function they can't unhook the clip i mean literally last year with ad astra you know we have to deal with many sort of similar things but i think ad astra did it well because it was all like 
a mess <laughs> versus here everything being trying to be so clean clean cut so yeah those are just the two big problems that i had that it was like all right i i, I will say like it doesn't excuse it but i do think there's an element of me that thinks that Clooney now being a father wants to try to like wrestle with some of these like oh, feelings yeah. he has that, 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 that <laughs> makes it very different for him as far as how he's putting himself on screen and how he wants to tell his stories. I, I think that does play a role in what he's trying to do here by incorporating a, you know, a little girl, let alone his own issues, not issues, but like his own, his own life experience that has, you know, feasibly changed him as a person compared to before. Mm-hmm. Uh, that again, that doesn't excuse things, but I, as far as, how he handles said ideas, but I do think it gives me, it would give people a perspective on what he's trying to achieve here. If he was a better filmmaker, I don't think we'd have these, these kind of issues with him doing it this way, or at least approaching the story this way. I don't, I don't begrudge him dealing with themes. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, particularly as it pertains to how his life has changed since he's had a child. I think that there's a lot of, you see the, the change in, in Spielberg. Yeah. After, so. you know, um, just hearing him talk about like Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, uh, my second favorite Indiana. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> but hearing him talk about like Kate Capshaw and how he would have changed after marrying her, he's like, oh, I would not have had that character act that way. You know, so it's like people, people can learn and people can grow. It just like the execution in this movie was lacking for me. Um, and so it like magnified problems that I have with movies such as this because he was not being effective with it. Like we needed to spend like some more time with young Mr. Lofthouse. To make those seats register at a different level. To make that stuff register, particularly after his, you know, girlfriend or wife or whomever was like, Oh, I'm not pregnant. And then left. And then all of a sudden she's got a baby and it's like, Okay, so, like, she was doing that because she wanted to, like, shock him or, like, lie to... It just, it was so weird. It's a weird compression of time, yes, as far as how to handle these flashbacks. Yeah, and so, and so, like I said, I'm carrying all of that weight of foolery to when we finally get this moment with him. It was nice. It was a nice moment. I will give him that. It was well, it's, nice. It's acted well, yes. It, yeah, it was acted well. Clooney... You know, does have an Oscar for acting. Um, With a big beard. Yes. Um, <laughs> or, honestly, when we look back at his career, we're going to be like, Siriana? Really? I uh, like Siriana. Now, it's I, been it's a minute since I've seen it, but I like Siriana. It's Syria. not that it's bad. It's just as like, it's not up in the air. Yeah, it's as far as, yeah, his performances, yes. It's, it's <laughs> You know, it's, yeah. not, it's not those movies. Um, so, yeah, I just, the disapp- I, I was disappointed. Uh, I will I will say like my thought on him being a father and how that like that that comes into that's what I was like wrestling with when it came to Kyle Chandler and Demi and Bashir's characters where it's like yeah. their choice I mean their choices are all emotional so it's hard to fault the screenplay but at the same time it's like we only got so much of these guys so when you get me to a point where they're like I'm gonna go back to Earth where I'm like dude Earth sucks like what <laughs> I but it's it's like well he has a family and like Clooney's clearly trying to push that on you as far as like he can't just easily make a decision to being like I'm gonna go live on Jupiter for or the moon K-12 K-23 I need to go back and be with these people you know see if I can find the you know the people that I'm <laughs> I, I've bonded with that I gave yeah. birth to what have you 
but then like Demi Bashir's like I'm going too and it's like okay, okay, because you're friends like I, yeah <laughs> like, I, like my mind is just like there's two there's just two of them and they have to what populate the whole planet now to keep the the humanity going I don't yes. I need to that's why I need, we need, I need more a... we need more here because this I'm not, I'm feeling like there's a lot of limits in this plan right now <laughs> I was like point of clarification that's why I need the point of clarification on whether the people survived at the beginning because like the story can still be bleak as hell. Like they still got to get back to Jupiter. You know, they still have to repopulate the entirety of hu- humanity um, in a new place. Like that's yeah. It's not like your other favorite movie, Alien Covenant, where they have samples of humans so they can you know breed them on a new planet. I don't acknowledge movies after Aliens, other than Alien versus Predator, because that was fun to see Sonata Lathan be the final girl. Um, that movie is fun. I like Alien versus Predator. But yeah, it just. There, there's some, there's some internal logic. This movie is not, didn't fully flesh out. Um, that I think, you know, it could, it could have used a little more detail. Um, to really make it, and then, and then, like, I still would have had problems with it, but at least my questions would be about fundamental things. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I had Astra. I don't have questions about the fundamental things i have questions about why we needed a voiceover <laughs> you know um the studio, you, that's the answer to your question <laughs> yeah I, I and i said that when i wrote the i think when i wrote the review i was like you, you oh, were on this podcast i believe for that yeah oh i clearly was like this was a studio note and it didn't even need to be in there so call me when i can take it off um but yeah he's Clooney is wrestling with a lot of themes. He's wrestling with a, a big scope. I think this might be his most expensive. Oh yeah, I don't, movie. I, I can't um, imagine. Like I guess like Monuments Man will be his other big. I can't imagine that being a hundred million dollars. He has made some bad films. Um, but yeah, I the stuff with the the stuff the stuff with the daughter, the imaginary daughter, and then it being revealed who the real daughter is. I think was just a little, a little much. So yeah. That's the spoiler section for you. All right. Well, thank you for engaging me in that part of the part of the conversation. Um, and with that said, that's going to do it for this bonus episode where we covered both disaster dramas that are now available for all of you to watch. So feel free to watch whichever one and tell us how you think about it. We got our you know our Facebook page and our Twitter out now underscore podcast and all all these places you can reach us. You know where you can find our show. Um, but with all that said, Terrence, where can people find more of your work online? Uh, you can find me occasionally writing at lenoirtour.net. That's L-E-N-O-I-R-A-U-T-E-U-R.net. Um, I'm also on the Twitters uh, at Terrence B. Johnson, one R, no A. You can find me over at We Live Entertainment. All my movie reviews end up over there. I'm also on uh, Y So Blue for Blue Reviews. My personal blog, thecodezia.com, everything I do ends up over there. And I'm on Twitter at Aaron's PS4. Uh, Terrence, thank you very much for joining me for this double disaster bonus. Yeah, you're welcome. And, uh, yeah, that's going to do it for this uh, bonus show. There's still plenty. Before the year ends, there's still plenty of movies coming out. So we'll try to do (laughs) the best we can to cover some of these big ones ahead of your way. But until next time, so long and goodbye.